Hi, David Thexton here, and welcome to this podcast of Everything Business Consulting, brought to you by the Consultex Business Success Program. This weekly podcast is for those of you out there who are a business consultant and want to improve your skills and success, or you're new to this profession and want to become a business consultant. People who join Consultex are ex-corporate employees leaving the rat race, ex-business owners with something to give back, accountants wanting to offer more to their clients, and coaches or existing consultants wanting to upskill. You can become self-employed, enjoy a great lifestyle and become wealthy by helping your clients become wealthy. Consultex is an online cloud-based business consulting application that has everything you need if you want to become a successful business consultant. With over a decade of development, Consultex offers you a unique opportunity to enter the world of business consulting with a complete system ready to run straight out of the box. In other words, once you sign up, you have access to everything you need to build a consulting business for yourself. Consultex provides a complete web-based training system where you work your way through at your own pace, learning all the important lessons that we've learned over a decade of being in this profession. The training can be as short as five days, or you can space it out over a few weeks. If this sounds like you, then the contact details will be at the end of this podcast. Today we're talking to Alan Hewitt from Apricity, which is a, um, well it's got three names um, to describe the type of business, um, invoice discounting, factoring, and what's the other one, Alan? Uh, data funding. Data funding. So I don't know what it's called in America or in the UK, but that probably covers all of it. Um so um, Alan's based in New Zealand and, um, and his company is in Australia and New Zealand and uh, we were just talking before and, and they've got aspirations in the coming years to move into other countries so that'll be really good. But before we get started Alan I just want to just tell our listeners about my experience with, with uh, I'll call it factoring, with factoring which was a, a long time ago, it was um, about 1990 when I owned a beverage company and it was growing very fast and and the banks just wouldn't keep up like um, by growing fast i mean doubling every year and i'd go i I'd go back to the bank and, and they'd never seen anything like this in their life or the particular bank that i was with and eventually um we just ran out of everything like we had my dad's house with security my house has security kitchen sink everything uh, and um, and they just said no we can't give you any more than X um, so a good friend of mine um, said you should go and talk to this factoring company so we did uh, and very very easy um, and um, I tell people the story on Friday we were we were um, we had no money virtually um, and on Monday we had so much money I was waiting around in my office up to my neck in it um, and I'm talking millions uh, and what we did was um, we took that money and we bought machinery and we continued to grow the business and at that point the business was three million in turnover um, and then we started we we're still doubling and one year we tripled but by the end of 10 years when we sold the business it was doing a hundred million dollars and I accredit all of that to 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 uh, debtor financing so Alan is that kind of a similar story to what you experience out there yeah it is it is David and and that's a really good place to start um, first of all we, we we refer to factoring as the F word and we don't use it Oh, okay. Um, Sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> all right. I'll let you off. You didn't know that. 
But no. uh, our proposition is very different to factoring, and perhaps I can just explain firstly what factoring is for those who don't know it, and then I'll explain the differences. Um, by way of background, though, before I do that, uh, Pricity started out of an idea from uh, two investment bankers, came through the GFC, back to Australia from London, didn't know what they were going to do. They knew that that debt funding in the UK and Europe is is uh, another form of, of working capital finance that's just as popular as bank overdrafts and usually easier to obtain. Uh, so, so they they set about looking at all the various factoring companies in Austra- Australia mainly, and the, the biggest one is Scott Pack. So you know the biggest is always the easiest target. They had a look at Scott Pack and and they talked to some Scott Pack customers and. From that, they understood what the issues were with Scott Pack, what customers didn't like. And the main one was um, hidden fees. Hidden fees, they were told at the start it was going to cost 13 or 14% at the end of the first 12 months. The accountant would come to them and say, well, hey, do you realise with all the fees, this has just cost you 40%? Um, so that's that's an, a major criticism of factoring companies, that their fee structures are, well, there are lots of fees and, and a lot of them are hidden. Um, so what our guys said about designing was a product where there are no hidden fees. In fact, the fees are very very simplified and very transparent, and I'll talk about those in a minute. <clears throat> so what do they do that's different? Um, factoring companies usually, and I don't think I've seen one yet, that doesn't have a very thick and complex contract. It looks like a mortgage document, but probably a, a few more pages. Yeah, so we have Yep, so we have no contract. We have a terms and conditions sheet, which is about three pages. But straight to the point, um, we take no security. So we don't take a GSA. A factoring company takes a GSA, General Security Agreement, often behind the bank, uh, but with a waiver that they have the first charge over the receivables book. So I guess the receivables book in most company contains a lot of smaller customers, but if you apply the 80-20 rule, um, 20% of the customers generate 80% of the income. And those are those are the customers that we focus on. So we don't take a GSA. We take the risk over the over the what we call the high credit debtor's ability to pay the invoice. Uh, so we're taking a risk on the high credit debtor, not the whole book. Um, a factoring company, as you know, David, will, will manage the book. They will collect the debts in many cases. They'll chase up late payment that sort of thing. We we designed this product, or my um, founders designed this product, uh, where we didn't do that. We didn't interfere with the customer relationship at all. We don't want to be seen as a, a lender of last resort. We're, we're there as a lender to help companies facilitate their growth. And I'm sure most of you as consultants will know that um, a company that's not growing, and it's something I learned in my MBA, a company that's not growing will die. They won't survive. So everybody's got to have a growth strategy. Um, secondly, growing a business uses working capital. And the faster you grow it, the more working capital you need. So this product was designed to fill that gap. So we have two types of customers. One is one is the customer who's growing their business. And the second customer is the one who has grown their business and is continuing to grow. But they have customers like the big guys the big corporates, the Downers, the Fulton Hogan's, 
The Fonterra is a classic example. Fletcher's has been in the news recently, who have changed their payment terms. And instead of paying in 30 days, they dump them out 60 days or 90 days, and sometimes longer. Some of the international companies that New Zealand firms are dealing with are, are way longer. So it's, you know, I was with a client um, or potential client a few weeks ago. While I was there, he, he got a call from, as it turned out, Fletcher's. I just heard one side of the conversation and there were a few expletives. He wasn't happy. But basically he said to me, did you manufacture that call, Alan? Because that was timed real well. I said, what do you mean? And he said, uh, you know, Fletcher's owe us $2 million and they just phoned me to say they were pushing us out another month. Goodness me. Yeah, so so that's happening. The big guys can do it because they've got the ability to do it and their suppliers are scared to challenge them because they may lose the contract. Um, and that's how things are in the world. It's very tough for SMEs and I'm sure all of your consultants will be realising that. So let's move through, carry on, what's the difference between Apricity and the uh, factoring companies? Our customers are not locked in. They pay a one-off application fee or a facility fee. It's paid after the facility is approved. It's not up front. And it can be paid off over the first two or three months. And that is 0.5% of the uh, monthly credit line. So the, the monthly invoices that we're going to um, use to discount and pay out on. And I'll explain what the high credit debtors are in a minute because we only... We'll only fund high credit debtor invoices. Unlike a factoring company, we pay up, up to 95% of the value of the invoice and we'll pay it within 24 hours of the invoice being uploaded. We're flexible on how many invoices a company will can upload to our system and have paid out. They can do it completely at their random will. If they've got a million dollar invoice and they only want 500,000, they can even just up, upload and ask for 50 or for 50% of it. Um, so there's okay. total flexibility. That, that, that's a difference between factoring as well, isn't it? Yes, because factoring takes all the receivables and they pay out up to, up to 70 or maybe 80% on all receivables and then they collect the receivables. Okay. So, and, and we, we don't do anything in the collection process. We leave that for our customer to continue their relationship. Of course, there's an incentive for them to collect because they're paying, paying a daily cost. Uh, and I'll come to that in a minute. So we have, we have competitive and transparent fees. I've covered that already. Um, we have the origination fee. We take no security, no personal guarantees, no securities. We don't take a GSA. We don't need it. We are effectively buying the invoice, albeit at a discount, and I'll come to our fees because it's not 5% the discount. Um, so we're, we're buying the invoice, we're collecting the payment from the debtor when it's paid, we work out what the cost is, and we pay the balance of that 5% back to our customer. Yeah. Uh, as I say, we... we we only look at specific invoices and and our customers only pay when they're using the facility. There are no line fees. There are no other fees at all. Excuse me. So what is the fee? The, the daily fee works out at 0.1% per day with a minimum of 3% per month, although we have flexibility and we have a customer where his his debtor pays, pays in 15 days. 
he still uploads the invoices because they're over a million dollars and uh, he needs that working capital in his account to grow his business. <clears throat> in that case, we don't charge 3%, we charge 1.5%. So we are totally flexible and, you know, fair, I guess you could call us as, as being fair. We want to be seen as fair. <clears throat> now that 3%, for those of you who are accountants for sale, that's 36% annum. Have a lot of money. But I can assure you it's cheaper than a factoring company with all the hidden fees. If you annualise a factoring company's costs, as I started. Yeah. Uh, so how do companies offset that fee? And there is a natural offset because I say to our future customers, well, if I paid you this 80% or this 95% of 80% of your income, your monthly income, what, what are you going to do with it? And what they say to me is, mm, not sure, we'll, we'll continue to grow, we'll buy some more kit, we'll pay our UDC account on time or our finance company cost on time. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll fluctuate our bank overdraft. We mightn't have a hardcore debt anymore because, because we're getting paid earlier, we can, the money goes into our bank account and it might put it back into credit for a couple of days. So that's going to take the bank off my back. Um, so what else do they do? They pay their creditors. They pay their suppliers early or on time. When they, when they pay on time, you know, as common commercial practice in New Zealand and Australia, you get a discount. And typically that discount is between 5 and 10%. So there's your natural offset against our cost. Paying us 3%, you're getting a 5% discount from your suppliers. You're going to be better off. Can I just interrupt you there for a sure. second? That's exactly what we did. Um, it took me a few weeks to figure this out because the primary reason for going into um, was factoring for us was that we wanted to buy plant and machinery. So once we'd done that, we still had a million dollars left over. Um, and um, so the initial, initial drawdown was about $2 million, around about. And um, and then then it became pretty obvious. It was staring me in the face that just like you said, um, I I negotiated with the sugar people, the orange juice people, labels, cardboard boxes, and bottles. I I negotiated with them, and on average, over all of them, I managed to get about seven percent, seven and a half percent discounts off them, which virtually doubled what I was paying in factoring fees. Um, so it went straight to the bottom line. So it, it worked wonders for us. Yep, and that, that's exactly what our customers do. They, the, you know, we've got a customer in Australia who, um, who we've done a case study on, so I can talk about, without naming him, I can talk about his business. He's the guy that makes makes uh, Christmas puddings and supplies to Woolworths and, and uh, in Australia, Coles, but progressive, progressive in New Zealand. <clears throat> Um, so the, the Christmas pudding you see in the plastic containers, he makes a brand of those. Now, he started small, used his house as a security to set the business up, was supplying initially one Woolworths supermarket. The product was popular and um, and obviously it grew and the whole Woolworths, Woolworths group in Australia now buys off him, as do Coles. So think about his model. That's all he does. He has no other product. So he is producing... Christmas pudding's like crazy about now, uh, ready for delivery at the end of November into the supermarkets. Um, he does not get paid until at earliest the end of January. He's got suppliers he's buying stock off now 
So his sultanas, his flour, his sugar, whatever. He, he's, he's busy baking now. He's got his staff to pay. He's got his power bill and everything else. So with his tremendous growth, he, he was really stuck between a rock and a hard place. Uh, basically, he came to a pricity, or I think our guys went to him, and um, he's now become one of our biggest and best customers. Because as he said to me, um, and then the rest of our guys, is that you know, I'm, I'm negotiating up to 10% discount with my suppliers. But it's not only about the discount, he said, it's actually about the goodwill with them. Instead of ducking for cover when they were calling me on the phone, looking for a payment, I've now paid them already, and I'm one of their best customers. And if I want them to do me a favour and give me some extra sultanas at short notice or rob something out of someone else's order, uh, they'll do it because they know I'm going to pay them on time. So, so that's a, a big selling benefit. Now, now another benefit moving away from that customer, um, but I'm thinking of another customer that we're talking to at the moment. Um, and they're, they're a very large organisation, and I'm thinking to myself, why do they need a pricity? Uh, and this, this, this is, I guess you'd call it one balance sheet window dressing is the only thing I can come down to. Think about our balance sheet. We have an asset and a pricity, which is cash. Our customer's balance sheet has an asset, which is receivables. Now, in this, this case, some of those receivables, well, they're all very large, and some of them are offshore, and some of them take 30, 60, 90 days to pay, which doesn't look, that doesn't look good in their age, the age receivables. So what we do is effectively swap their receivables for our cash. Yep. So that their balance sheet looks good. They've got cash in the bank. They don't have these long-standing receivables. They're off their balance sheet. Our, our transaction is totally off balance sheet, and some of our customers see that as a big positive. So, as I say, it allows them to move their receivables off balance sheet and replace it with cash. Well, that's actually something that, um, like, I know what you mean, but um, I never realised that was a um, a positive benefit until mm. you just mentioned it. You mm. know, so yeah, pretty fantastic. Well, if, if you're a company looking at, for example, doing an IPO, that might be a benefit. Yes, yeah. Are there any limits to the size of company that you take on? No, they're not. Um, and that, that's another thing that differs from factoring companies. Most factoring companies have an upper limit. We, we have uh, customers not in New Zealand yet, but certainly overseas who have uh, monthly invoices of $10 million plus. Right. Um, so that you know, they're big companies, and and they're using us. Um, so we don't have an upper limit. In terms, some of your guys are going to say be saying, well, well, how do a pricity fund all this? Um, and there's a very easy answer. We we have we have some non-bank credit lines um, through private equity funds in Australia, and and they are reasonably significant. So they're our backstop. We also offer to the sophisticated uh, investor market, and I'm talking about not retail investors, we're talking about sophisticated investors who are people who who qualify under the FEMA rules. Um, they need to sign a declaration in front of their lawyer certifying that they are a sophisticated investor um, before they can invest with us, and there are a number of companies that tap into this market. So we offer for those people a 90-day 
uh, loan note that's unsecured uh, and it rolls every 90 days and right now it's paying 12% per annum. Okay. Well, that's good for them. Yeah, it's good for them, but that's that's how we fund our business in New Zealand and Australia and that, that offer yeah. is quite attractive. Okay. So we talked about the top end of um, of your sort of loan capacity. What's the bottom end? Yeah. How low would you go? Well, <laughs> well if, yeah. um, I just had a, had this discussion with one of your colleagues a few minutes ago. Uh, yeah. But but basically, if if your customer has got um, a high credit debtor, which is a listed company, a government department, uh, a local authority, or any of the agencies out of those organisations, so it might be Auckland Transport, for example, um, yeah. or in the government, it might be the DHB. It might be a school, education department, university, whatever, um, or other large enterprises. And when I say large enterprises, they are organisations that have revenue of more than $30 million per year. The reason for that is they, they then have to uh, post their results on the company's office website, which gives us access to them and allows us to do a credit assessment of them. Right. Because if you think about it, we are taking a risk on the ability of the debtor to pay us. Yes. Uh, so coming back to your question, uh, what's what's a small customer? Who's who's a, who's the smallest customer? Anyone who's dealing with any of those high credit debtors has an ability to grow their business because they, you know as well as I do, that uh, those high credit debtors. And let's take an example: Downers, for example. Um, they don't just take any supplier. They, they put their suppliers through a due diligence of some sort to see if they're going to perform and make sure they're, they're okay. And once they're on that supplier list, they're pretty much there until they do something wrong. Um, therefore, when, when downers go out with their next contract, they're going to go to their preferred supplier list. Yes. So with that in mind, any small customer or small business who is on uh, a supplier list of downers or in New Zealand or any of those big companies, Fletcher's, Fulton Hogan, whatever, they're going to be there for a while unless they do something wrong and they're going to grow their business because they're going to be offered the opportunity for more. Okay, but from our consultants' um, side of things, like um, their clients, is, is your bottom end sort of half a million a year, a million a year? Um, where, where, does, where does the bottom there's, there's no, start? There's no real bottom. Uh, what, I, I what I say to the brokers or people who are introducing business accountants, etc. Um, let us look at the deal. Let us look at it. Um, we'll tell you if it's too small. The client, you know, like our minimum fee is $2,500. The client's not happy with that, then um, and that's our one-time upfront fee uh, or facility yes. fee. Uh, if they're not happy with that, then they're probably too small. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, that's fascinating, Alan. Um, I hope that everybody out there has, uh, has opened their eyes and their ears to a, a, a very, very good potential form of funding. Um, a lot of people don't like to put their house into the bank and things like that. They want to keep it separate, being a family asset. So um, this form of funding uh, will work very well for them. Would you like to tell our audience how how they can get hold of you if they yeah, have sure. any uh, further questions? Sure, Dave. Just a couple of things before we do that. Um, sure. You just touched on the housing. You know, most small businesses have their house in there as security. 
um, most partners of most small business owners, or they might be a joint partner, um, would prefer not to have the residential home at risk. And David, you've been there, so I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. In, in many cases, companies have used our facility sufficiently to release to release their home mortgage. Uh, so that's, that's a, a goal. It won't happen straight away, but once they start using it and the business keeps growing, they'll, they'll quickly find out that their overdraft is, need is reducing and they can approach the bank to let it go, get the security go. The other thing I meant to say is that we don't expect referrals for nothing. Uh, we offer brokers and any other introducer, if they're happy to take it, um, an origination fee, which is $500 for every successfully approved and drawn down facility. And there's a 1.5% per annum trailing commission on the amount drawn down every month. And that's both of those are paid in, uh, month in arrears. So a trail commission, a trail commission at 1.5% per annum is, is quite competitive and provides a, re a reasonable sort of earnings for introducers. Well, that's very generous of you guys. Um, I think a lot of our people will appreciate that. Yeah, it, uh, it pays the mortgage for some. Yes. Yeah, excellent. So, um, so how, yeah. how, can I, how can I be contacted, David? Uh, people can ring me. My, my um, 0800 number is 0800 That's in New Zealand. Or you can call me on 027 or plus 6427 for, for New Zealand callers, just call the 0800 number and it steps down to my mobile if I don't pick up the main line. Email address is ah at apricitynz.com. Could you spell that? Oh, that's a hard one. A-P-R-I-C-I-T-Y-N-Z.com. Excellent. And they can go to the website too. Yes, they can. Uh, the current website's about to be changed, so uh, the, the new one's almost ready to go. And uh, so if you click on it today, you'll see the existing website. If you click on it in a couple of weeks, you'll see a new website with a lot more information. Okay. So everybody out there, um, uh, thanks, Alan, for coming along and um, introducing us to this form of funding. Uh, you've got all those contact details there. And those same details will be on our show notes that come with the podcast as well. So um, you'll be able to find them soon enough. But it, it, um, it'll certainly, uh, now that you know all about it, um, you can keep your eyes and ears open and um, and um, have a talk to Alan and uh, and see if they can help your clients out. So thank you, Alan. We'll, yep. we'll finish up there. Dave, just, and, just one um, thing before I go. Uh, sure. For your for you guys, I'm actually travelling in the South Island in the next couple of weeks. I'll be in Wellington uh, the week after next, and uh, I'm usually around the North Island most of the time. So if anyone wants to talk to me, wants me to call by while I'm down south, happy to do that. Excellent. Yep. Have a cup of coffee together. Yep. Sounds good. Thank you, Alan. Okay. Thank you. My definition of a lifestyle business is one where you decide the hours you work who you want to work with, and how much you want to earn. Many people I talk to describe in detail the drudgery of their current job. Hours of commuting, boring meetings, little chance of promotion, and remuneration just enough to live on, with little or no chance of improvement. 
and the very real possibility of being made redundant if the worst happens. Imagine a business where you can take the kids to school when you want, have a three or four day weekend when you want, cut out the commuting and have complete freedom of your time. Business consulting is a business where you get paid for what's between your ears, not the hours you work. Working on a percentage of revenue fee basis frees you from time-based earning systems and takes away all income ceilings. I've worked as a consultant from home since 2005 and right now I'm looking out of my office window at the green rolling pastures of New Zealand uh, about 50 kilometres south of Auckland. Fantastic. And I work the hours that suits me. And I can take a holiday whenever I want to. But in order to move forward as a business consultant, you have to make some important decisions and make that change. You've already started that change by listening to this podcast. This podcast is all about that change and each week we'll be presenting a number of topics and features that will be of interest to you whether you are already a consultant or you're looking to become one. We'll interview people in our network and we'll dig deep into what makes them tick and why they have become a successful consultant. We'll read out your letters and questions and answer them for you. We'll discuss a case history from our client files. We'll discuss a special topic each week from our listeners' suggestions. And we'll interview people who are not in our network but have some interesting information for you as you start work with business owners. Bottom line is, if you're a business consultant and you want to improve, or you want to become a business consultant, then this is the podcast for you. If you want to get more information right now, then go to www.consultx.com. I'll repeat that, www.consultx.com. There you will find everything you need to know to become part of our global ConsultX network. Our podcast will be loaded up on iTunes and Stitcher and sent to you immediately, provided you're a subscriber. It's called Everything Business Consulting, so sign up now, it's free. The sign up button is behind the settings button on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks for listening today, and we'll see you on the next episode of Everything Business Consulting.